you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Man. I love that I love that we live our lives now like that old Verizon commercial. I mean at least the <laughs> podcast life is can you hear me now? Um, how epic was it when that guy switched and became a sprint a spokesperson? A sprint, like on the sinking ship too. Sprint was like already, I think, the least popular of the carriers at that point. Uh, and yeah, him and Yellow just thumbing his nose. Like, but imagine that's your job at that point. You are a cell cell phone spokesperson. So you just got it's the only thing you know how to do is cell phone speak. You just well, gotta go loved, find another one. What I loved was he was so pigeon holder typecast as the Verizon guy. It was the equivalent of uh, Jared being the subway guy. There was no chance of him ever getting acting work anywhere else other than Verizon until his agent said, I've got a bright idea. We flip this thing on its head. We will get, I mean, this is going to be the biggest campaign. I'll get you double what Verizon was paying. You'll never be able to work again, but you were never going to work again anyways. Were you, would you like to see, uh, Jared Fogel come out of prison and get rehab and go to Jersey Mike's and be a Jersey Mike spokesman? <laughs> no, no, I do not advocate for that. I advocate for him staying in prison where he's at. My, my cousin uh, did a yard or two in the prison Jared Fogel was in. Oh, really? Did he interact with yeah. him? Uh, I don't think he did. I don't think that's cool to interact with the Jared Fogels in prison. With known pedophiles? Yep, and they're called chomos there. In case you want to know, that's your that's your voca- child molester. That's your vocabulary for the day. A chomo. I could have gone my whole life without knowing that. Yeah, now you know chomo. But it'll might be important when you get to prison in case somebody calls you a chomo, then you you're supposed to fight them. Or if yeah, if anybody calls me at anywhere when I'm not in prison. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so I think I told you at one point. I feel like we had this conversation on air. I had somebody, a friend who worked as a marketing exec for Jack in the Box. And she told me that that Jack, who plays Jack on their commercials with the giant head, so you can't ever identify who, who the human being is, but they employed the same actor to play that guy for years and they paid him $400,000 a year. Which though, I mean, I'm going to have to say that was totally money well spent because uh, a student of fast food, I'm a fast food lover, you know that. Yeah. I have a, a large spot in my enlarged heart for fast food. And uh, I would study. I love the Jack campaign, you know, for a long time and would perpetually study his hands. And if I would have seen different hands on that Jack, I would have said, wait a second. Those hands were always like perfectly chubby. They were always the same hands. And I could tell that. Do you think that they fed he had a forced diet of Jack in the box to get his hands that en- engorged? Based on his hands, I would have to say yes. I think so too. The so the idea of swapping campaigns for the Sprint Verizon to Sprint guy would be the equivalent of Stab Magazine reaching out to you and being like, "Hey, Chaz, what's the number? Come over yep. to the dark side, or maybe it's the light side." Actually, it's the light side. I think. Yeah, and um, we're going to do this campaign that says we're way better than Beach Grit. What's the number? Oh man. How much, uh, it would have to be enough where I could break off how, I'd say, uh, like, does this have to be a legitimate number? I guess it'd have to be a legitimate number. Uh, I would yeah, say. I mean, I mean, let's say, okay, let me, let me outline it a little bit. It's a six month campaign that just essentially is designed to tear down Beach Grit. So like, so that Beach Grit actually goes out of business. So a six month campaign about how Stab is the best, Beach Grit sucks, you I don't know. You even tell inner workings of Beach Grit that are going to ruin its reputation for anybody who once loved it. Uh, I would have to, it would have to be. Six this months. is totally, this was crazy, crazy talk here, but it would have to be like $10 million. 10 million. Like, bucks. yeah. I mean, I don't see it being worth it for more than that, to be honest. So would you then, would you turn to Garrett or not Garrett, Derek in negotiations and be like, Hey, Derek, I'm going to break you off three mil and I'm going to take I'd seven. Break, no, I'd break Derek off half. I'd say, Hey, Derek, okay. We're five decision. mil here. This is a business decision. I, I would feel we probably also, we'd probably take, I don't know, maybe we take three each and break off a pot of three to uh, the beach grit 
person who kind of like, I would feel bad about leaving him high and dry too. So he'd say, Hey, the first X amount of people who email in, who we know, like you email in with your, with your handle and we'll break you off 20, 20 grand. Thanks for the good times. I don't think, I think you got to go through the archives and just, or go to discus and figure out who the who top 100, the most. yeah, who the top 100 commenters are. And they yep. each get, they each get the 20 K. Ne- Negatron, Negatron would get a hundred thousand at least. Yeah. Negatron might even get a million. Might, might, might have to be more than 10 mil. Might have to be 12. I wonder what stab, what it's, what it would be worth it. I mean, stab doesn't have money anymore. I can't imagine, but they do, what they do, do I, now their pre- premium subscription. Oh yeah. They're, they're rolling in it. Uh, I've often wondered how much Ziff, like if it ever crossed his mind, I could buy these guys and shut them up. The problem is it gets more expensive and more silly. The longer it goes, where if he looks back and says, when I first came into this game, I saw this little mat beach grit. I felt it buzzing around my ears from time to time. And I didn't pay attention to it. It's silly stuff. Paying attention to that kind of thing. You know, nobody cool does that or nobody powerful does that. It's just, you know, these are the plebes, the, the little annoyances that you deal with. If he doesn't look back and thinks, man, I could have probably bought them and put them out of business for, you know, a couple million back then at the start. Easily. Yeah. Do you think, so the, do you think he even cares? I don't even think we're on his radar. Like, I don't think he's caught up in surf gossip to even care. No, but I think it, I think it pops up on his radar enough that he's been f- very furious about it. Like not regularly, he's not up on the day-to-day kind of not like buzzings, but the times that beach grit has really roiled them. He's been in the room furious. I just, I feel like unless it affects their business and I don't know that they have a metric that shows that they're losing sponsors because of something you said. But I think with like the, for example, with telling the world the Zeke Lao one, that was oh, a major, yeah. major, major headache. For, like the Beach Grid has caused major, major headaches for them. Not like I don't think dip in, uh, you know, necessarily that they can measure a dip in anything, but revenue or, you know, whatever. But yeah, headache, the headache alone. See, I wouldn't want to, I guess part of me understands, yeah, I'll take the mil- the 10 million bucks and walk away, but I would prefer to continue working. So I'd prefer a scenario where they just fold me in. Like here is the payout. And then either you run your entity uh, kind of with our objectives or just come and work for us and run our entity. I mean, there's still a, there's still a, I think some people in the beach great universe believe still that uh, we are a negative shell for the WSL. Like I got multiple yeah, multiple both DMs and messages and then comments on the on Beach Grit about how much you're getting paid to post Ultimate Surfer stuff. Yeah. Right? Where they think you guys bring this negative stuff, but it's still all, you know, as the adage goes, no publicity is bad pu- publicity. So you guys are spinning this negative thing and da, 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 but you're always driving eyeballs or totally. driving people toward the WSL. So it's, yeah. So not only are they not that savvy, they're not even savvy enough to understand that that's true. I mean, I think that they might at this point understand that it is true. That without a beach grit, like specifically, sorry, Nashville, Tennessee, loud, loud cars here. Uh, I think at this point, especially as it relates to the uh, ultimate surfer, who would be talking about it or watching it otherwise? And I think they're scrapping for any eyeball they can get on it, right? Yeah. Um, well, Felipe Toledo's dad definitely doesn't understand that premise. Uh, but before Felipe, we get to, before we get to, Felipe's yeah, dad, well, let's talk. I do want to talk about the ultimate surfer. I know last yeah. week you didn't watch it. Have you watched any? No, but I, we okay. had uh, on, on dirty water, Derek and I had Anastasia Ashley on yesterday. So got some more insight into the machinations of the ultimate surfer. Did that episode air yet? Her getting booted? No, um, her, a dirty water episode. Oh no. When is, when is it going to drop? I don't know. Derek, Derek is not as tech savvy as you in terms of getting things, <laughs> these things up. Did Maybe his, next I week. know <laughs> I, t- I had a conversation with him on the phone. Did he sort out the tech issues? How's the audio sounding? I don't know. Uh, I think it's sounding better, but I think it's still, it's still rough. I mean, this zoom thing like that we're doing now is never as fun as an in-person and never sounds as good either, right? 
Yeah, you know, you know how I, why I was pessimistic that um, the audio for Dirty Water wouldn't get improved was on the phone call that he and I had, I could barely hear him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what, what'd you say? I missed half your yeah. sentence. Like, where, where are you right now? Like, if we can't even get a phone call working, what are the odds that he could do a three-way with Anastasia Ashley? No pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, I really do think that, I mean, God bless Derek Riley. It is, he, it is clearly not in his wheelhouse to do that stuff, but he will like put his head down and really try to fix this tech stuff. So yeah, what, I re- better. what I realized was he bought that um, interface that I use at album. And he was asking me all these questions about how to do things remotely. And I was answering all those questions, but then I realized he's trying to run them all remotely through that interface. And that interface is really designed for in-person stuff. So I don't think it'll help him with the remote stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, at, at any rate, tell us about Anastasia. What did what was her experience? Can you spoil um, Dirty Water? Yeah, I can spoil Dirty Water. I can, I can tease Dirty Water. Ooh, this will be a double tease. What Anastasia is the best at, Anastasia, it was the only person on that show. I haven't watched the show, so I can't say this definitively, but... Uh, from the little I saw and what I know about Anastasia, the only one who's sort of savvy about her persona, Anastasia has been doing this for a very, very long time, right? And so she knows what to play, how to play it. She knows she's playing to an audience, that she's not Anastasia Ashley, the person Anastasia Stasia Ashley, when she's on in front of any screen. She is an avatar, basically, right? Or a character. Um, so, you know, uh, for them... I thought to, to allow whatever the stuff was that allowed her to get, to get kicked off the show is a disaster for ultimate surfer. You need that person. You needed Anastasia on until the very end, right? You need a villainous. She's happy to play the villainous. You need uh, somebody to create any kind of drama. She's happy to create drama for, you know, uh, for the viewer. And so the fact that she got booted to me is a disaster in the design of the show which basically she said, uh, coming onto the show, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a mix of stuff, like a mix of, you know, it wasn't all just going to be physical surf. You know, we are going to pick the best surfer. Clearly I'm not the best surfer. Anastasia says I haven't surfed competitively for, you know, ever. And these girls, a lot of them are surfing competitively today. There's no way I can, I can beat them. I could beat them if there was a different sort of challenge metric set up sometimes, right? Like, I could beat them in mind games or in blah, blah, blah. So to me, it's a real, again, uh, it's a disaster of the show that the most interesting people get kicked off because you're actually looking for the ultimate surfer out of a pot of people who none of them, even the best of them, Zeke Lau arguably belongs on the CT, but is not an ultimate surfer by any stretch of the imagination. And the, the fact that you're trying to like, it's a so it's a disaster of show design like dana white for all his genius designed an idiotic show world surf league should have known better and and stood in the gap there and said wait a second these surfers are subpar you know really at best and so let's make this a show about you know who knows i mean you could have had the priority as an idea of what makes an ultimate surfer an ultimate surfer and so you know what's a priority thing you had to do on land you know something real tricky something or something where you had to stab somebody in the back or you know stuff like that like it should not have been about the physical she always about the physical she said she was surprised how it was basically only about the physical also another spoiler for dirty water which i thought was interesting she said the show was so physical that they would become exhausted every night every night after it was done everyone was so exhausted that they were too exhausted to socialize or uh hang out which, of course, that's where you're going to capture any kind of drama. When everybody's so exhausted from the dang surfing they're doing in the pool or rock running or whatever, and they all go to bed, where's, where are you going to get any spark or drama or juicy gossip or anything? So, again, I don't know how the creators of the show didn't know better, but it yeah. seems like major, major overlooks, which is why it's been a disaster show. The, the disaster of the show is not the premise necessarily. The disaster of the show is how, they, how they've carried this thing out. Yeah, they're stuck between the idea of wanting to be the bachelor or have like actual scandal going down between the couples or between the uh, males and females and wanting to be a surf specific show. The surfing isn't good enough. The surfing is actually bad. 
by the way, like straight out. I've watched every episode. I've seen every wave surfed. The surfing is straight out bad. Zeke Lau ripped one or two waves, but even those, they were like, if it was a CT event, those would be five point rides, you know? Well, Um, I mean, she, she talked specifically about that too. I won't spoil that one. You have to listen to dirty water for that, but she had a very, very interesting take on that and how it totally kneecaps the show because of the way they edit the wave. Nope. Tune into dirty water. Okay. Yeah. Because they, they do edit the wave really, really weird. And you can't even tell what the complete ride looked like. Um, but I mean, so the surfing is bad straight out. It's also in the, it's in the wave pool, which we already have covered what all the criticisms were. So I think the solution for what you're saying for the design could have just been to put them on the North shore in the winter time, you know? And it's like, there's plenty of drama there, whether, and there's plenty of parties where people will be hooking up, they'll be doing drugs, they'll be making bad decisions. And then of course you wake up in the morning and pipes eight feet. And then if if it actually looks terrifying. Totally. There's all the, the drama is inherent. You don't have to yeah. design anything. You don't have to script anything. And so that would have been a super easy solution where they could have gotten both things. They could have gotten people hooking up and cat fighting or whatever those shows go for. And then also the ultimate surfing because you're at the ultimate wave on the planet. Um, the other thing is none of these, there was no chemistry between anybody on this show. Like Bruna, Bruna Zahn is married. Um, some they've all known each other since they were, you know, under 10 Kids. years old. Yeah. And they've traveled the world together. So there's a familiarity chemistry, but there's no sexual tension. And so that's a completely lost premise from episode one. And then you also realize that the idea of an ultimate surfer is a lost premise from episode one as well, because the surfing's atrocious. The, I mean, one thing that I think about the whole thing is the pool, Kelly's pool, not wave pools in general, Kelly's specific pool, Surf Ranch in Lemoore, California specifically. I think now they've run through every iteration of failure with it, except for, so it does not work as a competition spot, right? Like they've even given up on that themselves. I mean, it's not on tour next year. Uh, It'd be hard pressed to see it coming back for any CT tour event right Devin Devin is going there in two weeks to run a longboard event we totally let him slide on that last week Uh, it's so true it is so true I mean it's gonna be awful I know that personally he sides with you and I and if we call him out on air he's gonna have to toe the company line and I just figured let's just dodge that completely but I mean this that's the last the last act of a desperate world uh surf league is doing the longboard event there so it's awful there. It's awful as a set or background for any yeah, kind yeah. of thing to watch. So the only thing it's good for, and I think it does, I don't know if it, I don't know what the cost of running, but I hear that it does, uh, it either breaks even or makes money as a place for rich people to take their friends, right? It's the $50,000 a day or whatever that, so that's I, what it is. What I heard is it's $11,500 operating expense a day and they rent it out for 55000 so they're, so they're making money on that thing. The problem with that is so they can continue to make money, which they only ever early on, they said, this is only a test facility, right? It was never really supposed to be seen right. by the public or whatever. So the fact that they couldn't make any more, but there is more Kelly pools coming. I think there's one coming uh, to Palm Springs some, sooner than later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so once that hap- happens, once people don't have to go to Lemoore anymore, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they shutter the whole thing. If, they, if it, you know, they just turn off that one. Uh, they push to other Kelly technologies elsewhere and that's it. Right. Where at that point, I haven't been to Lemoore in a while, but Anastasia said there's like now industry built up kind of around the pool and the tourism it draws in. Does it, do you absolutely gut Lemoore by leaving? Does the world circle sure. act as like a real awful interloper who came, took, and left. I honestly, I'm worried that's what they're going to do to the championship tour. I mean, ultimately we gripe about the shortcomings of the championship tour and bad decisions that are being made. And it's not because I want to complain about stuff. It's that I envision five years down the road, Dirk pulls out every, every, they've driven it off into the ditch and created this farce or of a culture that we don't relate to in any way. And then when they've bankrupted, 
they go, okay, well, we're out of here. We're going to go work somewhere else. And you and I are sitting here going, no, this is the thing we love. Now the tour is completely unviable. Nobody will step in because it was losing so much money for so long. And the culture is corrupted. Where do we go? You, from know, you know who's going to step in? My new friend, Fernando Aguirre. He'll be right there. Willie, what's the story? I think so. Oh, uh, Fernando reached out to me on my on my latest uh, that World Surf League or that I, that the World Surf League. I had a rumor, like a real rumor from an inside source, that the World Surf League and ISA International Surfing Association, who international ISA is the governing body of surfing as far as the Olympics is concerned, right? Yep. Uh, the WSL is not. So the WSL was used this last year or for this last Tokyo Olympics as a uh, basically a qualification mechanism, right? Like yeah. you could qualify through the WSL or through the world surfing games. Uh, so, you know, but whatever each, each country has two surfers or two men, two women maximum. So the countries who don't have any surfers on the WSL, they would qualify through the ISA world games, right? Uh, is how it goes for Olympic qualification. Anyhow, uh, rumor that I heard was that the WSL and ISA only had a one-year deal in place for the WSL to be qualifying. So, and that Fernando, head of the ISA, was thinking about uh, or pondering the idea of having a side tour that would qualify surfers for the Olympics, right? Which would mean now there would be an actual rebel tour, Sweet. more or less, happening. Uh, so I printed this rumor. He reached out to me and said, absolutely not. This is a complete and utter nonsense. Please take this down. And, uh, and then he and I, but he great sense of humor. Uh, felt like he really understood the beach grit way of, you know, we went back and forth and said, okay, Fernando, you got to feed me good gossip from here on. Yeah. Out. But we, yeah. Fernando and I have an understanding now, but yeah, so that it was not true that, ISA will be working with the WSL moving forward on qualifying or that'll be the quali or part of the qualification mechanism moving forward. But I felt great in the back and forth with Fernando. Fernando's a surfer. Fernando's been involved in surfing forever. And if this thing does end up in a ditch, I would love to see Fernando because it will continue to be an Olympic sport. You know, it's not, here's hot gossip right here or a hot rumor. It's not officially, surfing is not officially set for Los Angeles yet. Uh, but it's looking that way or they're moving through the moving through the proper, you know, format. But yeah. let's think about here. We have surfing in Chopu coming up, the Paris Olympics. That's guaranteed. Los Angeles, very likely. And Brisbane, I don't see how it's not. And so for the next, you know, what is that, 12 years, uh, yeah. we have Olympic surfing, which means there will be some form of tour. So if the WSL drives into a ditch, I'm hoping Fernando saves it. There are a few, first of all, we've learned through the last year and a half that we don't actually need a tour. Like we're in terms of getting surf content in our lives and watching uh, the sport excel and kind of progress. We don't need the tour for that. I like having contests because I like watching them, but I can live without them. And whether or not there's an actual coalesced full year round tour that crowns a champion there'll be individual contests anyways. Stab's been doing events. They did one last night. Uh, Red Bull's done events throughout the years. Vans would continue, I'm sure, to do events. And then if Fernando had his own thing, that's plenty of content for you and I. I mean, and I think that, I think the temperature is actually right for a Rebel Tour to actually pop up, right? I think for there's sure. enough, there's enough sort of, I think you could do a pared down, you know, if somebody had a little bit of money, a pared down four events a year, literally best surfers in the world, best waves in the world. I mean, you know, you couldn't really get the best surfers, but you know, you could, again, I would, if you had I, enough I mean, money, you could, if you had enough money, you'd have to, but even without all the money, I think you could still, I would love to see a tour with like a pared down tour with like a Noah Dean on it or a right. I keep, but Noah Dean well, rips, right. And he charges and to, so to throw him at cloud break and in a contest format, that wasn't strategy and all this that was really about sussing out who can surf the best, right. Would be pretty so fun. Here's, I think this, the objective of those things is that you keep the focus very specific and Red Bull has done that very well. You know, they do the Cape fear event and the focus is 
we are going to challenge ourselves against this crazy slab. And then Stab Magazine with the Surf 100, it's more similar to what you're talking about. We're gonna take three surfers, throw out the format and just let them go surf with a crowd at this venue when the waves are pumping and we'll deem the winner based on you know who we like the best essentially. And so the, what the World Tour or the WSL, it's gotten so large and convoluted that it's now made a lot of the decisions for bureaucratic and economic reasons that have nothing to do with putting the best surfers in the best waves. And so to us as the end user, it's like, it's convoluted and we make exceptions for them because we know that they have to make money, you know, but when you keep, when you start small and you keep that focus very specific, you can justify, you're not going to be comprehensive. You're not going to appeal to everybody, but you're going to say, we have Noah Dean because we want to have a badass free surfer. And then we're going to get the con, we're going to have Adriano because we want to have this super competitive guy. And let's see how those guys go head to head. And we all get that objective. It's about having a focus. I feel like the WSL's focus is just so diffused over the years. It'd be, it'd be fun to see like, an original, I mean, we, I think we've talked about it before on the show, but the original, uh, how MMA or I first experienced MMA was, you know, a ninja versus a boxer or a kickboxer versus a judo dude or a sumo wrestler versus a whatever. Right. Where if you stuck in totally different styles of surfing, like, and had them fight like Noah Dean versus Devin Howard, right? Like who would would win that heat? would be Amazing. really, really fun. Yeah. Man, I watched UFC one through five and it was actually, I don't know if all five, but certainly the first couple were actually on network television, like yeah. NBC on a Saturday night and Hoist Gracie was smoking everybody. And he was a oh, hundred, he was 180 yeah. pounds. And there was, like you said, there was a sumo wrestler and the sumo didn't make it past his first round. Cause the way that they did it was Hoist had to fight five times in a night. Yeah, it was if he beat his guy, he would then work his way up the ladder like finals day at lowers. And uh, the sumo guy didn't make it past his first round, but he got kicked. He went up against a kickboxer and the kickbox Stefan Stuttgart, I think was the kickboxer's name. And the kickboxer chopped leg chopped him. So the sumo guy fell to his knee and then he landed a shin to the sumo wrestler's mouth and his teeth went flying into the I remember audience. That. I remember you could that. see it. It was like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. And by, you know, by uh, UFC two or three, some guy had another guy laid out and he was just punching him in the nuts as hard as he could. And I think they realized that they needed at least a, a couple format. of rules. Yeah, a little bit of a format. It was incredible to watch though, you know? ultimate surfing though. That's what I want to see. I'm going to make that. So it's going to be the I, beach grit ultimate surfer. So I've got another thought about the ultimate surfer. Did you see, um, I don't know. I probably shouldn't name him, but there was a big, an industry kind of big wig executive from the last 20 years who posted on Instagram. And the reason why I saw it was because Eric Logan linked to it in his stories. So I clicked over and he was basically saying, Hey, all of you haters out there, why do you guys hate the ultimate surfer? This is a great thing, doing a great thing for this community of a bunch of surfers who we've all known since we were kids. These Kai Bargers of the world or whoever um, have a second chance. They have a second opportunity through this platform. It's embarrassing to see all of you guys naysaying and making fun of this show that you should just be enjoying. And the comment section was lit up with applause Koa Smith, Anastasia Ashley, all the cast were in the comments saying, hey, thanks so much for standing up for us and saying something kind about the show. And I was like, I was embarrassed to read it. I, I fully understand why that guy felt the way that he felt, but I, I was, it's wrongheaded and it's a completely, yeah, we feel good that Kai Barger is getting a second chance, but the reality is those industry executives of the 90s and 2000s built something great that I grew up in and it kind of became how I experienced surf culture. And that existed for a period of time. Kai Barger got his chance. Luke Davis got his chance at being a pro and actually was a pro and made good money in that thing. That thing fell apart for economic reasons and more reasons. It fell apart. And Kai Barger 
or Luke Davis could choose to leverage their social profile and continue a career if they wanted to, for whatever reasons they didn't. We don't need a, this, this kind of version of what the ultimate surfer is, is like a B tier, C tier QS in a wave pool. So we don't need the worst thing of that industry that you guys built, a, a QS version event in a wave pool to let these people vie it out for a B or C list spot to regain some semblance of spotlight. Like that's not good for anybody. It's not a great showcase of surfing. It doesn't actually elevate those guys in any way because they're not going out there and earning it like a pipeline or something like that. And it's also a bastardization of our culture. These things that they're doing, the tandem paddling, the, the spin the bottle, all of that isn't actually a reflection of our culture in any way, shape or form. So do not defend this thing. This thing is an abomination and an embarrassment. And it's not a second hand up for these people. Like if you look at the way that Dana White ran the UFC's ultimate fighter, he would have laughed somebody out of the room who didn't come in throwing haymakers and trying to knock the other person out. The only people that made it through that show were the ultimate fighters. They left blood on the canvas and they knocked people out. And then they went into the UFC and became world champs, lots of them. Dana White would not have gotten on Instagram the next week and been like, hey, those guys that lost and actually didn't show up and didn't leverage their career from five years ago, you know, pat them on the back and give them a blue ribbon. He would not have done that. And that's why the UFC thrives is because he doesn't make these concessions and these accommodations. The like to me, it's it's shows a complete out of touchness for totally. any sort of executive to say that this show is actually where a, a good surfer will come from. And that's the point of it, too. Like the point is that it's a reality show. It follows Bachelor in Paradise. You know, it's a reality show. And the, the true fact is you gave them a dog reality show. It doesn't make right. the, any of the surfers look better. It doesn't make any of them. They're not going to get marketable out of this thing from getting back on tour and winning. Kai Bar Bar Barger's done, right? His career as a competitive surfer is over. That's fine and good. He's, it's not, not supposed to continue. You could have, if you would have given Kai a show that made him look interesting, if you would have wanted that, or more to the point, a Luke Davis or Anastasia Ashley, could have easily, with a better show, gone on to some kind of television career, right? Like For sure. they're For sure. great to look at. They're funny on camera. And you didn't give them that either. You, what you gave was a show that nobody's watching, clearly. Like it's tanking now even more in the ratings. It's losing all of its lead in from Bachelor in Paradise. And the last episode was the lowest, had the lowest ratings of all, right? So you're losing audience. You're not captivating people. I mean, at some point soon, or probably the next show, our next episode, it will slip down below a million viewers. Uh, and you know, so what you're giving something, once it slips down below a million viewers, now you're giving a show that beach grit is smashing. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm so upset. Like a part of me is like, why am I watching this? Why am I getting so enraged by it? But ultimately what, and then I think I'm just getting older and more cynical and I need to do positive things and just shut all this off. But ultimately what I think it is, is that bastardization of the culture thing. It's like, yep. God, God, honestly. So it'd be one thing. I don't know if I said this to you last week, somebody actually DM'd it to me and I just rang so true, which was if TLC was doing a show on surfing, that'd be one thing. We could just look at it from afar and be like, oh, those people who know nothing about it are getting it totally wrong. But the fact that the WSL brought this to the table is the offensive part. That's the offensive yep. part. You know, it's like, this I mean, is so, these are supposed to be the arbiters, not only of, you know, well, partially of our culture, but also of like the best surfing in the world. That's what they're supposed to be doing. And they brought the exact opposite of all of that. That is a bastardization of anything that I knew when I was growing up or any of the people's that I, any of the people that I valued, the kind of icons of the sport, this flies in the face. People would be turning over in their graves, you know? Well, and, and, and to, to, for the world surf league to call it ball or I mean, straight face, the best surfers in the world. These are the best surfers in the world. Like really, really, really diminishes their, I mean, well, we have already said it. It they diminishes their own brand. Yeah. yeah it's so weird. Credibility. Yeah. 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 I'm upset. Okay. Uh, Felipe Toledo, <laughs> give me the rundown on what happened. I mean, this is, to me, this is such a great surf story, right? It is. This is I, I, I felt the exact same way. This is peak surf, right? This is vintage beach grit 
peak surf, I feel. is This is what, and here's why it is those things, is because when you go surfing, this is what happens. And when you go to the parking lot and you run into your friends, this is what you tell them. This is the stuff that you, you discuss, you debate, and then they have, no, I saw something different. And then, so it's a reflection of surfing is what this is. Exactly. Exactly. So yesterday afternoon, I got a all caps, not all caps, but like a lot of exclamation text from a source who has delivered in the past, right? It is a, somebody that I don't know who this person is, but this person has dished up good, verifiable gossip before, Uh, gave me the story of Philippe Toledo in the lineup, uh, had been burning locals all day. You know, people get mad. Philippe is obviously at lowers. Yeah. Uh, Philippe, obviously number three surfer in the world. So we'll be at the lowers event. The, the finals day we'll be surfing in heat number three against the winner of heat number two who will be the winner of heat number one anyhow <laughs> so fleep is clearly there you know getting his reps in uh but i guess he was burning a bunch of people according to this source right which is the best or and this source wasn't even on the beach that's the best part this is so this is second hand but from somebody legit that he trusts i trust this person this person trusts this person anyhow uh rumor had it that Philippe. Uh, was you know dropping in on people a set wave came this local junior who's some hot up and coming thing who is unnamed uh paddle for this wave philippe from the way it sounded to me so philippe he was paddling philippe paddled and was taking off behind him to highland around him uh but this kid was already you know in position so rude move kid knew that philippe was going to highline so highlined up as well grabbed philippe's wetsuit uh held on the entire ride and at the end they got into a huge scuffle but apparently the huge scuffle was mostly just yelling at each other right it wasn't i don't think punches were thrown or anything like that uh kid ordered philippe to the beach and philippe went into the beach that's the story i have now uh did philippe go into the beach to fight or just because like he got sent no. in he got sent in but also could have been over it right like it's a hassle out there bored done with it Etc. Etc. Right. So it ruins your session Philippe, for sure. Precisely. So Philippe goes in and leaves. I put the story up. Right. It's a funny surf story. It is a complete someone saw something happen surf story that all the best surf stories are. Now Ricardo Philippe's dad gets on Beach Grits Insta, furious, piping hot about how this did not in fact happen. This is why everybody has blocked Beach Grits because Beach Grit peddles lies. And, you know, went on a, a funny tear and then the whole thing, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And I've heard now multiple versions of what happened, sort of. Uh, I still trust my sources version of it from everything I've heard. I've heard bald face lies from some people. Uh, I've heard like it's funny. It's really connected in there. Right. Like so something happened. I don't exactly know what I will stand behind the version that I published as an accurate representation from a point of view of what happened, but yeah, peak surf right here. We're living it. David Lee. Um, yeah. So a lot of the comments in the comments section were like, whether or not it happened yesterday at lowers, we booted him out of uppers six months ago or Margaret river, you know, and there was all these other stories of similar things happening with Felipe, which I'm not surprised by at all. Like if I was in Felipe's position, I would probably be burning people too. I'm trying to get my wave count up. It's look, I'm a professional. There's no court for me to practice on. This is it. I'm here to make money and get out. And imagine you're you're watching, you're watching lesser than surfers, butcher waves all day long. Imagine, imagine Felipe is out with you or me watching us like kind of bog rail and totally fail at cutbacks. And then, so of course, if I was Philippe, I'd say, okay, I'm going to, bur- I'll get so far out in front of you on this wave that you, you can drop in too, drop in behind me, man. Or I'm just going to rip it so hard that you're just, you're going to stand in awe and watch, you yeah. know, like whatever the reason is, he's justified whether, I mean, justified to do what he wants to do. And, sure. um, and so I don't even see why he would even argue against doing that. And again, there's a bunch of evidence that he's been doing it for a long time anyways. But here's exactly what Ricardinho Toledo said on your Instagram. He said, impressive the amount of shit you talk to earn likes and move the ridiculous articles you post. This is a tremendous lie. It never happened. And the worst thing 
a media can do is spread lies on their pages. And you are experts at this. Congratulations. That's why I and everyone around here blocked you. Poor article, poor spirit. So if he had blocked you, he wouldn't have been able to see the post, first of all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love it's like people pointed that out. I know. And so I understand that here's what makes a great story too, is I understand every single angle to this. Sure. I understand why Ricardo feels the way that he feels and why he's publicly defending his son. I would do the same thing for my son. I understand why Felipe is burning everybody at lowers. I understand why the local Grom young junior at lowers took the stance he took. And I'm pretty proud of him for going toe to toe with Felipe and sending Felipe in. And the fact that it worked, Felipe went in, you know, I understand every single side of the story. I mean, and it's so like nobody, I mean, this is, it really truly is. I'll say it again, peak surf, because, you know, Felipe going in, for example, sure. Felipe could say, I wasn't sent in. I went in because I was over. It It was a zoo out there. You know, I had my waves. I was done anyway. Kid can say, I sent Felipe in, right? Which one, which one is true, right? Like kind of in, in the best surf story, and not that this is a best surf story, but a peak surf story, all sides are true, except for the one thing that I would argue against uh pip's dad ricardo is that it was not a lie something happened for sure uh it was not a lie maybe you could say your perspective is totally wrong or this article only you know posts from one perspective this perspective was not the correct perspective right you can debate perspective all day you cannot debate the fact that something happened there was enough heat around that thing where something clearly happened and someone will find I'm sure scrub the surfline footage and find it. Uh, and we can all see sort of a pulled back version of something. But even then, we won't know what was said, how it went down, you know, the, the, the sort of tension, the passion, all of it. But great surf story. Love it. So, so happy. The other, the other thing about his Ricardo is he's missing the point completely. Like Beach Grit exists to elevate, uh, will only ever elevate Felipe's profile. You know, like even an article like that only elevates Felipe's awareness and profile. And you have to be able to leverage that stuff. The idea of being disgruntled and blocking and is asinine, asinine. Well, well, then that's where I really, uh, it's rarer and rarer, but you know, I always think that everybody should know what Beachgrid is at this point, right? And if you don't, it's sort of on you. That's why I really, truly tip my hat to a Fernando. When Fernando reaches out and says, this is what you just published is nonsense. And then we go back and forth in a fun way. You know, I've done this with, you know, Matt Biolas and with Devin Howard. And there's people who get it, right? People who get this conversation. It's, it's the surf parking lot conversation. This is yeah, yes, I'm not trying to wreck people's career and spread lies. None of these rumors, it's rumor and gossip, and there's 90% true or 80% true uh, and whatever. And if you have, like with the rumor about Olympics and WSL, was on the face true, right? It just wasn't true that, uh, th- you know, I was hinting that that relationship may be broken and whatever. And yes, they, it was true that they did have a one-year deal with the WSL. But in fact, they are renewing that or trying, you know, moving forward line is they're working together, all this kind of stuff. Right. But it's not, it's just surf gossip. It's ultra hard surf candy, man. Yeah. And I, I honestly think Fernando might be BSing you by saying that you need to squash this rumor because he could be working on that on the side. It's just not ready to discuss yet. You know? Sure. But, but Fernando's, Fernando's smart enough to play the game. Exactly. Uh, Whereas a Ricardo could play the game too. And, but I also but again, understand Ricardo played it even Ricardo played it even better though, going on Instagram on beach Grits Instagram and, and popping off was like such a gift. And it might actually be intentional. Like he, he might recognize everything that we're saying right now and that it juices the algorithm. And so he's going to come in with the hot opposite take add some juice. Everybody starts arguing with him. That elevates all of it. He is the most known surf dad in all of surfing. I mean, Carissa Moore's dad has been there from the beginning and nobody knows his name because he's quiet, you know? And so maybe Ricardo is just like, no, I'm going to be the one who you all know. My time. He's smart. I mean, like 
in in truth though, i'm i'm curious i mean the the uh lowers event now the final day is what the the window opens in a week less than a week yeah. theoretically yeah, I think it's the, or the window opens yeah so excuse me uh so yeah i'll be curious if this event can keep some heat uh what it does to philippe it is it does this fire him up or does this make him a nervous little wreck uh, you need to find the guy, the kid who sent him in, and he needs to become our new here, our new sponsored athlete for. This is a funny people. thing too. I mean, yeah, this I have some information here, but it's not ready ready for release yet. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, do you have any thoughts that you want to share about lowers before we go into it? We've been seeing clips of all the surfers other than Idolo surfing out there. Do you have any picks? And JP Curry wrote uh, for Beach Street today as a relapse gambler that he's putting his house on Gabriel Medina. Uh, he does not see Gabriel blowing a chance to win number three. Um, Is he actually betting his house? No, okay, but I'm good. sure he's betting. Good. I'm sure he's he's betting the proverbial house. Uh, I don't feel I don't feel that confident about any pick. No, I don't either. I would if I. If I was forced to bet the wife's house, uh, I think I would go, I would bet Idolo. Yeah. I think, I, I think put, that Idolo could get in Gabe's head. I think Idolo, I mean, if I had to, if I had to, I, I'm not confident at all. I, I'm definitely confident about Gabriel uh, Idolo, but I'm not confident which one of them will win. I, I, I mean, if I had to bet money, Idolo's in a better would... spot. I know I would bet Idolo like look at Idolo's body lately. He is a freaking Ripped. monster, dude. I didn't, I didn't guy, know Idolo looked that way. He it's only like, has it's like, a body, won, it's like a body double. It really is. Since he won at pipe last year, like the very next day he was posting gym selfies and like workout routines. And I was like, wow, that's, he's taking it very seriously immediately after winning the world title while everybody else is relaxing and he has not let up since the guy is an absolute animal. So I feel like he's still on an ascent and we haven't seen the best from him. And so if I had to bet, I would bet on him. But also the fact that he's the fact that he's second though. So he'll come up and have a, have a, you know, ostensibly tough heat versus the number three, the winner of number three. Right. So he'll yeah. have one under his belt lowers again we've said it once we've said it a million times lowers is not a taxing wave so it's not like you're out there getting exhausted you know surfing your heat you're just warming up right War and warming up having a sparring partner a great sparring partner before you take on the best i don't know how that is not advantage idolo all day every day agreed and if there's swell like if it's pumping swell so there's plenty of waves and plenty of opportunities idolo based on his cardio will catch 30 waves in a heat and I guarantee you out of 30 waves, he'll get two nine fives. He can get closeout sections and just throw something and he gets a nine. The way that the judges do the scoring, he gets huge scores for those. And so if he then gets a set wave where he can tee up and do four or five, like he's in the nine range period. If there's yeah. waves, there's no end. And I don't see Gabriel um, necessarily being better at that than Idolo is. And I see Connor falling apart under those circumstances. And I see kind of, Felipe needs a proper long running right to get into that nine range and he will, and he can actually get the tens, but Idolo is the guy to put your money on. I would bet. I mean, uh Oh, oops. David Lee. I got you. Okay. Sorry. I just got the 10% battery warning oh, on okay. the phone. Just FYI. So gotcha. I drop off. Uh, yeah, I don't see There's no way, no chance that I see Idolo losing to Philippe. Uh, and also I see Gabe on the beach furious watching Idolo just sharpen his sword. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we talk about it, I'm going with Idolo watching yeah. the clips. Morgan Siblick really impressed me. He looks very complete, but he just, he doesn't have that nine and 10 point range that those guys do. I'll hand it to the WSL as, as goofy as the format is. Uh, and as it's not, like, if Gabriel Medina loses, you know, then the best surfer of the year did not win the title this year. Yeah. But it definitely does make for something to talk about at the end. Yeah. Yeah, we'll find something to talk about no matter yeah. what. But that's on <laughs> us, not on them. 
Um, all right, your battery's at 10%. Uh, we'll wrap up real quickly with Barrel or Not, but before we do, did you watch the Val documentary yet? I haven't yet, but I was, it's right. it's on the list here in Nashville. It's like teed up, ready to go. Uh, what are you doing in Nashville? Uh, daughter Ava um, transferred to Vanderbilt, which I didn't even know before this. Thing. The Vanderbilt, did you know how, how good a university Vanderbilt is? No, not really. It is the Ivy League of the South. I think it has like some 94% rejection rate. So it is like a top, top, top tier, fantastic university. Uh, her, she played for University of Arizona last year. Um, her coaching staff all left to go to Florida. I think they were, he coach was originally from Florida. So Arizona was going into a re rebuild phase with a new coach on this. And Cersei, agent wife, instantly said, jump in the transfer portal. Uh, universities had or college athletes had a one year like kind of COVID window where you could transfer immediately and play uh, any other year you'd have to sit out a year before you play um, so Ava jumped in the transfer portal she had a fantastic year at Arizona last year so boom huge interest Vanderbilt Vanderbilt wine to dine heavily the university's so phenomenal and they were SEC champs last year uh, so great soccer program great school great everything so it was kind of a no-brainer so transferred in, starting at Vanderbilt, crushing it. Yesterday I went to the game, 1-5-0. Boom. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yep. What a good supportive father. Yeah. Um, it's easy to support. Well, we um, are we have listener calls that we should be doing this week. We're going to save all that stuff for next week. This is an abbreviated show just because of the distance. Um, lots of good feedback about Devin Howard. Also, the Florida Surf Film Festival took place this past weekend. Chaz and I were supposed to go. We ended up not going for separate reasons. They uh, pulled off a one-night event still. It was a smaller event because of COVID, but they're back up and running. So shout out to that crew. It was very successful from what I heard. And we'll be back there cannot, in the future. Cannot wait to be back at the Florida yeah. Surf Film Festival. One of the best surfing events around. Totally. Um, and then, so for barrel or not, one thing that Devin and I discussed, but really needed your take on dudes wearing Uggs. Are, are, are we talking wearing them at home, wearing them out of home? I, yes. I don't and care. Yes. I'm going to go barrel. I'm going I barrel. It. I knew it. Going barrel. Devin said, nah. And I was like, dude, they're pretty barrel. Like, yeah. If you've ever they're owned OG. a pair, they're amazing. Of course. And they're, they are traditional surf, right? They're OG surf stuff. It's not like, oh, they, they were this thing that chimed into surf culture. They yeah. were, and a, they're functional. Keep feet warm after surf, right? Yeah. Uh, they are arguably fashionable. I, I think the pivot to uh, Tom Brady etc was unnecessary and that kind of their fashion footwear they do is dumb but i'm gonna say barrel i'm gonna say super barrel and yeah they they do have like probably 300 different products in their line now that are fashion or attempts at fashion sandals all sorts of stuff i don't pay attention to any of that wear the, the high top shearling wear the og high top boot and also i've got a pair somewhere around here of the house slipper oh i have the house slipper or i have had the house slipper the house slipper is incredible. Like, yeah. and I never, I never had a need for house slippers before. I got this strictly unnecessarily, just like, well, I'm already comfortable without shoes, but I'm going to, I don't know, somebody, I think Lauren actually told me to get a pair. It's way better than being shoeless. Oh yeah. Foot. Oh yeah. And truly, I unfortunately need to break. I'm a big house wear or shoe wear in the house. Wearing shoes in the house is gross. You're tracking in everything you tracked in from outside. It's a disgusting thing. I need to do better of having a pair of slippers by the door. Yep. Take the shoes off, in its slippers, off you go. That's the thing. These are indoor shoes only. I never wear them outdoors, yep. even yep. to take out the trash. Uh, yep. All right, good. So we're going barrel. This is a non-sponsored segment. Sorry, Devin. Barrel yep. on, yeah, barrel on Uggs. Sorry, um, Devin. This one came from a listener. Sunglass straps. Ooh, I'm going no barrel. No barrel. I don't, I don't envision a scenario where those are good. The only the only time I will say a sunglass strap is good, and this is the only place it can be used, and it's a barrel here, is sailing. When you are sailing uh, and you are both crazily active and in heavy wind, uh, 
losing your sunglasses is both very, very, very possible and a real, real big bummer. So croquis on sailing is good. I'm, I'm realizing all the fishermen that are listening right now too are pissed. Yeah. But, but you're not, I mean, I guess if you're like fishing Marlin and like crazy active, sure. So fishing. Okay. If you're, I will say sunglass straps are barrel. If your activity both requires sunglasses and those sunglasses stay on your face, but that's kind of rare, right? Needing sunglasses and needing them to stay on your face, like requiring that they do where the ocean glare, that's an important time for sunnies, right? I, I think it's totally okay to use something for function, but then as soon as you're off the boat and back in the car, you have your- Take them off. Yeah, exactly. That's, you can't, that's where and the you problem can't, is for me. Don't, don't advertise your sailing, fishing, whatever deal with your croquis. Exactly. Don't, don't that, advertise outside. This is what I am. That's where I have a problem, I think, is when I go to the grocery store in suburban America and there's a guy wearing camo and I'm like- are you kidding me? Like right now it's cool if you're in the military or if you're a hunter, either one, yep. but there's no place around here to do those things. So I don't yep. know why you need me to know what your hobbies are. Like, I don't care wear a wetsuit into the grocery store or carry a leash with me. You know what I mean? The so. only way you should advertise your surf hobby is by dressing head to toe in surf fashion. Why wearing Uggs everywhere I go. Exactly. Uh, barrel or gnaw colored wetsuits. So Billabong does a great wetsuit uh, program where you can design your wetsuit, right? I mean, it's a three, two, whatever it is, but you design all the colorways. I had an opportunity to do this and Billabong's great, great thing. I designed one arm neon orange, the other arm neon green, the body of the suit. And that panel runs all the way down to the leg on the side and the body, a kind of khaki green. So I'm going barrel. Do people look at you weird or expect you to do air air revs? The problem is when I'm out there on it, I realize, oh man, I'm weird and I should be doing air revs. I designed the, tried to design the ugliest suit that I could. And when it came, I loved it so much and it's a fantastic suit. And so I wear it way too much, but I realized I, for example, cannot use that uh, wetsuit if I'm ever going to ride my Devin Howard, uh, I was going to almost call it a fun board. My Devin Howard midleg, like those two things don't go. I can only wear my, my weird shiny wetsuit if I'm on a simple board. Oh, so yeah, but I'm still going, I'm still going barrel. I loved the days when you could identify the talent level of a surfer simply by what, you know, the wetsuit that they had on, maybe how they were holding their board that still applies. But if there was somebody that showed up, are you losing battery? No, I got you. Okay. Sorry. If there was somebody that showed up in a white wetsuit, you knew it was either Kelly Slater or maybe Chloe Andino. You know what I mean? Like those were the only two people that wore a white wetsuit. And if somebody did have a flashy wetsuit, you knew they were going to be doing airs and there was probably going to be a photographer shooting them. And so I I kind of miss those olden days, but they're long gone. So, But I I would like to see, you know, now that those olden days are long gone, it would be kind of fun to be in the lineup with just a bunch of fruity, you know, little Skittles out there just for a minute. We can all go back to black and later, but just a moment of Skittle. The fact that I'm in all black, I'm going to be the, the one who's outstanding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind so of a bizarre well thought. Join up. This is Get the world color. we're living. This is the world that we're living in now. Like me not watching the ultimate or not liking the ultimate server, complaining about it. All of that has just identified me as a hateful old man. I know it's, it's sad. out of it. Yep. Devin, Devin's lighting up our text messages. Are you seeing those pop up? I just did. That's what I turned over for, but I didn't read them. He's, it's about stab 100. He's saying there's a blood feud. Biolis is mad. Oh, I think Mason Ho won the event, the stab 100 event on a Channel Islands board. He oh. said uh, he's giving you free advertising. And people thought that Mike February should have won and Dane wasn't looking good. That's what Devin says. Boom. Hot. So Devin's on the show, even though he's not. Love it. Always. Are you going to be back in uh, San Clemente for next week's episode? I will. I will. I'll be raring to go. All right. I've got um, listener line calls about Devin and how much everybody loves him and a bunch of other stuff. Can't wait. All right, man. Enjoy Nashville. Eat some barbecue. Thank you. I'm going to right now. 
All right. Until next week, Chaz. Bye-bye. Get barrel. Bye. <laughs>